Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock here in the UK. I am John Hindhoff. I'm back at Hindhoff Towers and we're live for Midweek Motorsport Series 11. Good to have your company as uh, we should have what is, I suppose, nominally called a normal show tonight. It's uh, Series 11, Episode 36. 36. 34. 35 was last week. It will be forever the lost episode if Johnny doesn't get his finger out and get it out of it. Oh, no, no, no. We've decided uh, that we're not publishing because it wasn't good enough quality. It does not meet our strict editorial standards. Hang on. Uh, let's introduce our Formula One correspondent, Nick Dearman. Yeah, but it still exists. So yes. it, can't, it still has a number. Yes. I, I, it was broadcast. People heard it. A bit. Those watching live, listening live, watching, heard it. So it exists as 35. So this has live. This has to, yes, this has to be On 36. Radio. Yes, I agree. This is 36. This will have to go down as 36. Otherwise, it leaves a hole in our weekly calendar. It does. And people will wonder <laughs> what happened. And more important, what will happen is, in like seven or eight years' time, people who've just joined the uh, the collective will go, I can't find 11.35. It'll be the mystery missing episode. And only a few lucky people heard the long pregnant pauses. Well, no, that can be chopped I heard out. some of it while, uh, while it was being edited uh, before we decided that it wasn't worth editing anymore. Send it to me, I'll edit it. No, you won't. <clears throat> there was some good stuff on there. Anyway, on a packed programme tonight, uh, we have Nick Dearman. Hello. Uh, we have Yay. all the usual features. And <laughs> yeah. and up in London is our executive producer, Tim Greer. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. We'll edit that bit out. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, everybody. Um, back oh, good from evening, our travels. Yes. yes, good evening, everybody in the world. Busy show tonight. Lots of stuff happening last week and lots to look forward to. This weekend, more live coverage from the uh, Japanese Super GT to look forward to. It's Bathurst uh, and the 1000K. Plus, there's a Formula One race. And as we look back on a pack weekend from last weekend, Continental Tyres, Sports Car Challenge and IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship both had their final rounds. Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com and Marshall Pruitt will be joining us to talk over the machinations. Uh, hello to Shea Adam tonight. She has closed her shutters, apparently. Uh, if she doesn't want to let Matthew in. Well, yes, you need to keep... Moving right on. And yes. Moving right that, on there. That was getting right off <laughs> straight away. Yes, let's move straight on immediately. Uh, hello to Miggins Motorsport. Li- listening live tonight is there's no budget, budget meetings, no honeydew jobs, just me in midweek motorsport. Andrew H says... 
I'm having a night out in my favourite black shirt before they start being trendy again. I was Max Mosley here tonight. Jay Booney, eager to hear the LMP3 ACO debate on tonight's programme. We're not allowed to call it the LMP3 uh, debate. Oh, is this like ha- Formula 3 again? Yeah, we haven't oh, been licensed to, no. to, to use that name. Mm. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yes, very good. And well, is it, isn't, isn't the word prototype challenge free now? Uh, possibly, no, not quite. Uh, uh, DR Daniel, Dr. Daniel, I had lunch in a restaurant inside Brixton this week. But managed what, to the tunnel out, yes. And that was because Right Turn Lover is in Hamburg in Bavaria uh, on the Fronfesta prison, in the Fronfesta prison tonight. Barry Hang Kemp. On. He's in Bavaria in, in October. In the prison. Yeah. The prison, I'm sure, is purely circumstantial. And Oktoberfest, nothing to do with it. No, indeed. Barry Kemp is off to Brixworth to see a man about an engine. I hear they're having a fire sale. Uh, and, and lots of people on their way to or getting ready for the Bathurst 1000, the great great race. Uh, and ben Dixon, say, ben Dixon says, I'm in Qatar, two hours ahead, so I don't listen live, but I download and listen during my daily commute. So good morning to you, Ben, and welcome to the show. I thought I would... That's very sensible of you. Well, no, he will be listening. in the morning. And, uh, yes, that's true. Um, And we're going to start with a question from David Glover tonight to our Formula One experts. Okay. Or if we can just lose the bed gently in the background. You haven't asked me uh, what's coming up on the show tonight yet. No, I know, but I I said it was all the usual features. I think you may have blown that one. I I think I may have preempted. David Glover. Uh, any connection between the Brembo uh, failure on Roman Grosjean's uh, car at, in Malaysia and the LMP2 brake failures? No. Why not? Because they are as similar as the fact they have a rotor, in American terms, and a some disc. discs and a caliper. But the, the operating the and control... I know. The oh. operating and the control functions, and even the way they work, is as dichotomously opposed as racing systems can be. Can I ask one question, though? Yes. Do they come out of the same no. Brembo factory? No. No, because so not Renault from China. Formula 1 team's brakes aren't made by Brembo. Mm. Uh, they're made by AP. Which is... British. Not anymore. Was. A subsidiary of Brembo. Yes. Which is what the LMP2 cars yeah. have swapped to. It was a valid question. Absolutely. It was a valid question because it was... I'm, I'm told that the LMP2 issues were... Uh, a problem with the uh, the likelihood is it's the problem a problem with the layup of the carbon on the carbon discs, and if it's um, happening on one type of uh, disc at that facility, it's likely to be happening at anything. But I don't know whether the F1 discs are built in the same facility in China. No, and they've been built the very, very differently as well. Completely different operating temperatures, completely different operating ranges, completely different sizes. Mm. And they work in biscuit tins too. They do, and they're both and they're both made of carbon. But they also don't forget that the breaking of a F1 car now has a lot of regen in it as well. So it's very different. It's a good enough question, but I think the answer is no. It's a coincidence. Thank you very much indeed. It's a shame uh, you decided to uh, run with that question because it means I I was going to use that uh, as a letter and play uh, oh, our <laughs> letters jingle. Oh, mind. Well, uh, all right, though. okay. 
Um, I might actually, just play the randomly no, but, from the show. But interestingly, it, 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 it's another example of the, um, which will come up later in this, in this programme, of never attribute to malice what can be attributed to bad luck or stupidity. Uh, that will come in later on yes. in Formula One. Um, and uh, I shall ask, for the sake of probity and tradition, yes. uh, uh, to Tim Gray, who is up in London. And on a packed programme tonight, we have what, Tim? Uh, we have all the usual features. <laughs> See, I like that. That was kind of like, it was a dash at the beginning of that, and a dash yeah, at the it's, end. He's it, it, not happy mo- uh, moving away from the standard format. Uh, including the news in English and Spanish. Oh, and hola! press release the week. Double hola! And Nick Damon, Apple Menard correspondent, will be joining us. Hello. Uh, we also have Graham Goodwin and Marshall Pruitt, who will be talking about all things American, even though uh, there is no more IndyCar to talk about. And uh, I kind of have this empty hole on my Sunday evenings now. Well, because there's no IMS and stuff. Well, because there's no IndyCar. Ah, uh, no IndyCar. Well, there hasn't been any IndyCar for a while. I, I know, but... Has been a decent IndyCar since 2002. You can, you can oh, cope with uh, maybe a week or two weeks without it, because... The seasons like that, but once you've had three weeks without it, mm. and realise that it's going to be March before you see any more. Do you yes. really like it that much? I like having something to watch on a Sunday evening, and uh, yeah, the baseball's running out as well now as well. It's at is it hockey uh, season soon? Yes, that's yeah. good. It's at Specutainment at Radio Le Mans, of course. At RC Racing for Nick, at Tim double underscore grey with an A. Yeah, it'd be lovely if you could follow me at RC Racing. I don't follow John. anybody. John. I don't follow anybody. <laughs> doesn't follow. Dearest Clinton, John does not follow me on Twitter. I just feel so offended. I did say I'd play the jingle anyway. This week we've been inundated with letters. We had a tweet. All right. And someone else this week. probably doesn't follow. <laughs> yeah. Absol- absolutely. Uh, anyway, enough of that. Uh, should we yeah, move on to the up. news? Let's have the news jingle. Yes. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Shuffle your papers, Tim. And what's come to the top? Uh, Formula One has come to the top. Hooray! Oh, stereo. Hardly. <laughs> Two voices? Yes. Uh, it was a Malaysian Grand Prix at the weekend. What, it was. What are you apparently not allowed to do in a Malaysia? Uh, celebrate in your underwear. That's not what I was thinking of. But it's that not the answer that's on the card. Also true, yes, as uh, an Australian uh, uh, government official found. You're not yes. allowed to win if you're Lewis Hamilton or get to the end. Not allowed to overtake. You're not if allowed you're to overtake. Is a yes. Yeah, you're not allowed to overtake if you're Nico Rosberg. We don't know how to overtake Nico Rosberg. You're not no, allowed no. to overtake if you're Max Verstappen. Ah, uh, okay. Is that I right, thought, Tim? I thought Nico's overtake was fine. Oh, f- no, no. <laughs> I thought Nico drove very, very well. Actually. It, it really? Was little, it was um, on a circuit that he clearly performs badly at traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do as badly as he could have done. No, because he barged his way past someone. Mm. Uh, but yeah, was there given what, a 10-second penalty? Yeah, which doesn't mean anything when he cast 20 seconds faster. Um, what was it? What was it? Was that what you were thinking about? It was, yes. yes. Yes, Well, Verstappen had a good run. Had a good run, good clean run. A good, yeah, yeah, but he, uh, 
everybody... Ricciardo said, no, thou shalt not pass. Well, yeah, he and held them out. I, th- I thought then, the battle when they were side by side was pretty clean. It was very fair. Yeah, because Nico was involved. And, v- and Verstappen uh, left Ricciardo enough room and Ricciardo left Verstappen uh, enough room, uh, unlike Mr. Klingman, um, which we'll talk about later on. Mr. Klingman? Yes. Is this a different race? This that was a particular one. Okay. We'll talk about um, that later on. Toys, I think I, I watched outdoor. the um, I watched the start, I mean I watched the whole race and it was uh, so did I and I think it was interesting actually because I had a, a, a reaction I wasn't expecting which was I was really annoyed when Rosberg got turned round in the first corner yes because I wanted to see a fair fight yes and normally I think I don't really care normally <laughs> I'm quite neutral about but that's this the only thing, thing worth I, looking forward to isn't and, it uh, I, yeah obviously once again um, Fettel um, made a mistake. Did Fettel make a mistake, or did Verstappen turn down on him? Uh, Fettel shouldn't. It, it, I, I think Fettel was very unlucky to get a penalty for a first corner incident because it's always a after we've always and said it's always pinball. And I thought he was unlucky. I did think he was more to blame than anyone else. If there is blame in seventeen into two, given that there was no penalties assessed at Spa for something very very similar. In fact, one might even say very squishy that it was even more of the man on the inside's fault mm. at Spa. I think it was somewhat inconsistent. The only, the only reason I think they were, that, that it was different is that in Spa, the only people who were suffering were the three people involved in the coming together being in the wrong place at the same time. Whereas uh, Rosberg was completely innocent in that situation. He was literally minding his own business when he got turned around. Oh, no, no I, I don't think that Rosberg was involved in it at all. It's how you apportion the plane between mm. Verstappen and... Fettel. It was more Fettel, but he shouldn't have got. He shouldn't have got a. He suffered enough. Everyone else carried on going. He was out. Well, of the race. and that's why, of course, I I I noticed that um, one of our um, summarisers, Damien Faulkner, uh, took to Twitter because I do follow Damien Faulkner, funny enough, um, on really? Twitter. <laughs> and How he good. got quite excised over the fact that Vettel hadn't been assessed a penalty. And as I pointed out to him, he was out the race. So they'd already said they weren't going to look at it till afterwards, and he has been assessed a three and great be, penalty. I still think being out the race is a bigger penalty. No one else is out the race for instant. No, but what you've got to do is you've got to send the message to say that it's not acceptable. I, I think it's just unlucky. But anyway, so um, if you presume that somebody's done anything wrong, but as I said, it's a first corner. I think he was unlucky to get assessed a penalty. They had a couple of uh, virtual safety cars, which didn't do an awful lot, but mucked up the uh, the order, and at that point, it made it look very much like like Verstappen was going to get past Ricciardo just by using the tyres. And you know, a couple more problems, and then, then the big, the big thing happened. The big thing happened that God Himself smote or smote, 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 Mr. L. Hamilton. He smoked him. Actually. It was either God or a, uh, I would say a German mole, but he could be any nationality, mm-hmm. uh, in a factory with an explosion button, and blew his engine up. It was remarkable, wasn't it? What I have to say about the uh, the engine going up is, is, is stri- it's a long time since I think it's a long time since we've seen fire out the back of a Mercedes engine. I must admit. It's a long so. time since we've seen an internal combustion engine yeah, combust so it's a proper totally 1980s blast that from, the, so, from so the internals. Externally. I'm pretty so, yes. I'm, I'm pretty Thank certain the Renault team of 1981 would be proud of that one. Um, but I do. I, I have obviously the, the 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 fallout from that was was Lewis um, going a bit into why always me mode. But I I really haven't got an issue with that. He was he drove brilliantly all weekend. He should have won. Um, he was under no pressure whatsoever, and he was completely let down by the engine. And obviously, more importantly than that, he was going to go back in the lead of the championship, and now he's a long, long way behind. 23 points with five races. It's going to be very difficult to make up. It was 
a key turning point, not a key turning point in the championship. And I can understand why he was so upset. And if he wasn't, and if he was sitting there going, "Oh, it's not one of those things I don't really mind," I'd be a lot more concerned than if he's turning around going, "It's just it, my entire life is so unfair." But it is one of those things. Um, just about every single world championship prior to the reliability era of the last 15 years was apportionable in some respect to getting mm. better luck than your major rival. Mm. So you know, it, it's just one of those things. Uh, this from Jonathan Frank. He's taking a non-classified result for not listening for the minimum time. Nah. We'll get on to that later on. Uh, James Ryder says, The Danny Rick Max V battle was good to watch. Almost LMP1 levels of dicing. It's just not long enough, but yes, I agree. Um, not even Honda of the last three years could manage a blow-up like that, said Rob Chalmers. Correct? Yeah. Um, the... W- w- would be nice to get penalty consistency across races. Says right turn lover. I think that's a, that's absolutely true, but I think the, the problem Nick, is that the, the instants aren't consistent, and that's well, another issue. Every, uh, if you're going to ping Rosberg, you had to be consistent with, Ro- with well, yeah, Vettel. But, yes, that is true, Nick. Uh, Nick, we had s- some consistency within the race. That's true. But, yeah. Stephen Rabe says, is it Rabe or Rabe, Stephen? Sorry, um, I think Rosberg's overtake was fine. Not every contact should no, lead to a no, penalty. No, no. Rosberg's. I mean, this is this is the one thing you did learn. Rosberg did drive back to the field well. He was helped by some good work in the virtual safety car, and he was helped by the fact that his car is significantly better. But he didn't do anything wrong, and he got exactly where he could get to, which was just behind uh, Raikkonen. He basically went for a gap that wasn't there. He jumped into Raikkonen, and he hit him, and was lucky to get away with no damage on the car. That was just another example of how the one thing that is an indisputable difference between the two Mercedes drivers is that Hamilton is a much better overtaker when it actually needs overtaking rather than breezing past on DRS than Rosberg is. But Rosberg, it doesn't matter Rosberg's leading by 23 points and you know now it really is his championship to lose. Um, and this is what happens. That's what happens in World Championships. You have bad luck and Lewis has had a lot more bad luck this year than Nico has. But when we get in 10 years' time, there'll be no asterisks in the record books. No, I know, it never is. And, uh, you know, it was good that Ricardo got to win. I'm not overly sure I'm particularly in favour of everyone drinking these out of the shoe. I'm not sure how sanitary that is. And frankly, if someone gets some sort of terrible shoe, like, like you know, some sort of like Veruca in their mouth because of it, no one's going to be laughing then, are they? Um, so oh, you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's health and safety gone. It's all very well till somebody's eye gets put out. Is that what you say? With a shoe yes. full of Shondon, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and the rest of the race was. was um, it was actually quite an interesting race. I mean, it was pretty obvious that once they've stacked the, the two Red Bulls, they're going for a 1 2, and, and Verstappen actually understood what that meant and didn't do a multi 21 and went past and tried to make it look interesting for a bit and then dropped back as a thank you for the points. He's now doesn't got anything to prove this year he's proved everything he needs to um, and so he moved to um, to Zuka and, and Lewis who should have got 25 points and fully deserved and didn't get any um, it wasn't quite as bad as it could be because uh, of course Rosberg was fourth rather than second which he would have been without the turnaround instant but we now see a what happened at the start of the race because the lights that we normally see from the turn one side of things mm. didn't come on what happened was apparently uh, Carlos Sainz stalled his car and there was a kind of a kerfuffle about whether they were actually going to stop, as you would normally do from a stalled car, mm-hmm. to actually start the race. But then Carlos got his car going again. Miraculously. Using the hybrid power. So to basically bump start he, he bump starts his car without a starter by basically spinning it back. Clever boy. Exactly. Uh, so he started that was it. That by some frantic waving, though. Well, there's always frantic waving. It's, uh, and so I, think I suspect the it waving. wasn't him being clever. I suspect it was someone talking to him over the radio that was being clever. Yes, true. He's still got to press the right buttons. 
the question the, the question is though and they we, got held a bit longer than it should have been and then they still went for it and then we but we didn't see the lights counting up on our yeah. side of the grid no they've only got one set of they lights. went they all went to full red and then they went straight no, off no no they went one two three four five okay yeah, I'm not sure no, it that's was, the case. It did, no, it did, and they uh, were, go- but they held the whole thing took a long time to get going, and uh, lots of cars on the, on the, the uh, grid for a long time. And I'm not sure that had any any contributing factor to the major uh, problems that occurred after that. But um, yeah, so good race. We've got, we've got another race this weekend. Suzuka, which Hamilton has to win. Um, he will win. He has to win. He will win. But even then, he's not. He, he has to win all the rest of the races. He will win all the rest of the races. Why? What? Because because why would you say that? Because he will. Okay, well, fine, you were right. Who did uh, John pick to win the title in uh, our predictions at the start of the season? Absolutely Fernando no Alonso, I think. No, I don't. I think I picked Hamilton. Yeah, well, Hamilton, you know, is has a chance still. A very, very, very small chance because he can't afford any... Not only can he not afford any more mechanical problems, he can't afford not to win a race. I will predict right now mm-hmm. that at least once this season, Nico Rosberg will have... Uh, either of uh, in fact no I'll say we'll have a nil point score okay I think I think that's unlikely there's the only t- they only have three retirements now and two of them when they hit each other and that's in uh, what 32 starts 34 starts mm-hmm. okay okay well I, 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 you're looking very confident of that one I am um, but it's um, yep yeah, so Suzuka uh, traditionally it was a, is, is a race in which both Hamilton and Rosberg have gone well whereas as Tim points out um, Malaysia was much more of a Hamilton circuit um, the big problem for, for Hamilton is that we've still got Brazil to come which traditionally has been very much a Nico Rosberg circuit so and he needs to win all of them so it's a bit difficult unless he gets helped out he's been mm. helped out in Brazil before well, only by team he was he was very very lucky that his car wasn't damaged in a sort of Vettel way. Talking about Brazil, remember when Vettel got spun around mm. in the pack and his car wasn't damaged or was damaged but yeah. not bad enough. I the, the hit that he took on the right rear Rosberg that is, mm. and then again on the right rear when he went down the inside of Raikkonen, and a, a good point just being made here by John Mayer, um, saying that um, sorry not f- John was talking about the life sequence. Thank you, John. For that, Paul Norris uh, tweeted at Spotty Tim and said, uh, Nico certainly did very well bar the pass. Ferrari says Kimmy's car was damaged, so the penalty would be justified. Um, that was a, two big knocks on that right race. Yeah, so I mean, Mercedes clearly building their cars from the same, same thing that Audi built theirs from. Yeah, but I mean, obviously the other thing that was quite lucky with, of course, is that they had a virtual safety car because obviously he had lit, lit up those rear tyres and they weren't going to last forever after that abuse they got in the first corner, but he could get them off after eight laps because of VSC, so... Mm. He had a bit of bad luck in the first. Um, uh, I think it was nice the, ver- the last uh, 600 meters. Sports Car Club to come out and, and then, help. <laughs> and then absolutely after he had nothing but good luck, mm. especially when obviously the big bang. That was the special luck. And and any conspiracy theory is out there. If you're going to blow um, um, Hamilton's engine up, you're not going to do it at Petronas's home Grand Prix. That was awful, wasn't it? So it makes no sense. But that was, I have absolutely as I said before. I have no problem with that Lewis being upset. You'd want him to be that upset. Damn right. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's uh, episode 36. Six. It is six. It is 36. Of, of series 11. <laughs> and uh, Nick Damon is with us. We'll have uh, sports card news from Marshall Pruitt and Graham Goodwin later on. But for the moment, we're talking about Formula One. And Tim, you have some more for us? Imagine it was the uh, start of March. Imagine this. Imagine. 
Oh, imagine a world where it's the start of March. Would you rather go to Barcelona or Bahrain? In March? In March? Ooh. Bahrain, please. Probably Bahrain, yeah. Bahrain, okay. Mm. So you're both in the Mercedes camp? Yes, we are. Camp Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, doesn't want to go to Bahrain at the start? Christian Ev- Horner. Everyone else. Christian wants to stay and watch the Spice Girls reunion in Europe. Uh, well, yeah, Red Bull and uh, Force India and Mana. Alright, okay. They're all upset, are they? Yeah. And, and this is because... Uh, well, according to Bob Fernley at Force India, it costs half a million pounds more to go to Bahrain than it does to go to Barcelona. Can I just point out I'd rather go to Sebring than either of those? Mm, not sure you'd get any uh, meaningful evaluation of your Formula 1 car if you did. No, but you'd be able to sit and watch uh, quite sports shaky, car racing <laughs> instead, which would be actually racing. Is this for testing, is it? It is for testing, yes. Oh, I see. So this is the pre-season test... Um, they uh, well. I suppose that for the smaller teams, unless somebody is going to give them the money to go to Bahrain, which is not beyond the bounds of possibility, um, that it's far more sensible to have a test, a pre-season test, um, where most of the teams can drive to it. Mm. And most of the teams are based. Just remind me again. Sort of Nick? England sort of way, or a bit of a bit of Italy, or a bit of. So Italy. that would be Europe, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it would be very much Europe. So having it in Europe rather than the Middle East. But if you can't get the tyre temperatures up, track temperatures to get the tyres working, you've never run these tyres before. How much use is it? Well, it helps Mercedes practice putting medium compound tyres on all Forever. the time, which they never now use. I know it's bizarre, though. Isn't it? <laughs> It was Ferrari that uh, ran a whole test with medium tyres, not Mercedes. No Mercedes, Mercedes did it last year. They did it this year. Days after days after days after days after days. After so quite days. a long time, really. Uh, I think you might have mentioned this last week, uh, but for well, those I of wouldn't you have, who but didn't hear... It doesn't exist anymore! Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you who weren't listening live... Um, <laughs> Which apparently is a significant number. Uh, and it just shows it pays to listen live. Um, we're not you, though. What do, you <laughs> do hurry up. What are uh, they doing about the regulations to help people uh, at the start of the season with the new tyres? They are giving them a mandated selection of tyres. So you haven't got to kind of think, oh, shall I have three softs and two super softs and four hard ones? You're all getting the same. Mainly because in the six-week period before when you're supposed to choose, they wouldn't have run them at all. So they'd have to sort of guess by the colours. So they're all getting the same. Right. From Pirelli. Right. Based Fair on enough. based on no knowledge whatsoever of anything. What's different about the tyres next year? They're much, much wider. Ah. The cars are completely different next year. So when the teams go out and do... Off, uh, off-season testing. What are they testing the cars on? Well, no, there's no off-season testing now. You've got, you've got the test Abu Dhabi with young driver test, then you've got some Pirelli testing, which is done with with um, mules, which have, have no feedback relative to 2017 rules, and they actually start the 2017 what? testing. With you try testing. listen. You try talking to a mule about its tyre testing. Doesn't like testing at all. No, they got they got eight days of testing with the cars. With a llama. Uh, I think they should have done llama testing. I don't know about that. 
to get the, the I'm a car llama 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 duck. But yeah, but they've got eight days of testing them in currently in Barcelona or possibly in Bahrain, as Tim says. And so, uh, are you seriously suggesting to me that not one of any of these Formula One teams are going to run a car at all at, in reality in real world situations? Before they go to the first test, why would you? They do might that? get a. Expensive. They might get a filming day at Silverstone on rock hard, not real tyres for a shakedown. But no one will get to do any meaningful testing before those eight days. No. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, but I've said that for how long? And then they obviously they have to do eight days in completely new cars and then turn up at uh, Australia and try and be competitive. And everyone think and and, and see who gets it right. But it's a complete re- reset. An aerodynamic reset. So everyone's kind of voting that Red Bull might get it right. And as the Renault's no longer a complete dog and he's just a bit down, everyone's thinking, oh, there's a good chance Renault's going to win. So Red Bull are going to win. But who knows? With their tag engine. Yes. Mm. Uh, moving on. That's it. Who's going to buy Silverstone? Anybody who's got £11. Um, Jonathan Palmer. He's Jaguar one Land of Rover. the bidders, but not the front runner. Um, is, it, is it back to be Lawrence again? One of the uh, bidders, but not the front runner. Is it Jaguar? One of the bidders, but not the front runner. Is it the whole of the Middle East, like Qatar and the Emirates, all coming together for some fun? They're all going to look down the back of the sofas <laughs> and, and see how much money. Seem to have found 80 four, million. 40 million pounds to buy it. Go on, Tim, tell us who's in the lead. Well, nobody knows. Oh. It's a surprise. And Derek Warwick's uh, not uh, giving any clues, apart from really? saying that they're not British. What, Derek Warwick? So well, that's not going to go down well with our new Prime Minister, who says British jobs for British people. Somebody is not going... Well, yes. Uh, I'm not the least of our worries. Um, so, so somebody is... In theory, if you actually think about it, you could think maybe someone foreign. Because someone foreign buying it in pounds, it's, just got, it's got 20% cheaper since June. Mm. It can't be a car company, unless it's Porsche or member of the VAG group. Why not? Because Porsche have a big centre there. Correct. And they're not going to get thrown out of that. No. So... Audi, Volkswagen. Mind, they could fit that centre into one of the meeting rooms at the unbelievable Porsche experience at Atlanta at the end of the runway of Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. Is it called the unbelievable Porsche experience? <laughs> uh, it, yes, it should be. Um, it, the building was in one of the last Marvel films. I, re- I recognised it. But it was it seriously. destroyed? Because normally they destroy it. Yeah, everything destroyed. gets yeah. destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it really got destroyed and rebuilt. So it's not going to be a car company. So, who knows? Somebody on the collective will know. At someone foreign who wants someone, to some, No, no, he's, it's, he, he said so, not someone British, did you say, Tim? Well, That's no, British, correct, you're yeah. foreign to us. Yes. That, that would suggest foreign, yeah. There's degrees of foreignality, though, isn't there? Not really. Well, the further you get away, the more foreign you are, generally speaking. <laughs> That's true, but you know, keep going. <laughs> you know, sort of... The French and the Scandinavians and the no, local. I thought, it was kind of an ap- I thought it was kind of an absolute. You're either local or foreign. See, for me, people who come from like Leeds are pretty foreign. They are. That's a very good point there. Yeah. Anywhere that's an, an hour Welsh. south of where I oh. first leave. Would you include Lawrence Tomlinson in that then? Well, you, hmm, yes, probably. But I don't know if whether. Well, see, Derek, where's Derek from? Let's not forget that. Oh, he's Channel really. Islands, yeah. Oh, he's Channel Islands, is he? Yeah. He's like unique. Yes. I mean, a long time ago from the channel. I was not recently. No, but that's that's your heritage. My heritage is uh, is a combination of uh, Devon, Channel Islands, and Germany. Mm. I've got you? one arm that's German. It's this one. Sixteenth <laughs> German. Doesn't work. It's on not that. me. No, it wasn't meant to. Work on the radio. <laughs> it was meant to make you laugh. It did. 
So, so we don't know who it is, but they are in the lead, are they? They're in the lead. Excellent. Uh, however, uh, Derek Warwick also said that uh, it's a very complicated deal, um, right. and all of them have a long way to go. And they don't have much time to uh, get there because the deadline is uh, October the 31st. This sounds like comments a really bad interview and a really bad song. Mm. Still a long way to go. Oh, really, is there? Here we get there, but get there when you can. You know. Um, uh, is, it's, is it Vladimir Putin? The Circuit of Wales. The Circuit of Wales could be buying Silverstone. Then they wouldn't have to build one. But that doesn't make you foreign. Welsh well, well, foreign. Well... Well, you see, no, you didn't say English, though. You said British, not British. Yeah. That is true. Mm, so you see that that doesn't work. So Perhaps Donald Trump's going to buy it because he's got that golf course up in uh, Scotland. It's one of the few things he couldn't run anything worse than the stuff he do does th- currently. Do you think if do you think would uh, he's going to buy it so that it doesn't go to China? <laughs> um, uh, interesting. I would say it'd be Russian money because they're buying everything else up in motorsport at the moment. That is true. Chinese? Mm, maybe. Don't you it's, it's a, listen, putting money into motorsport is a very, very good way. Uh, people down through the years... Of, 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 of legitimising money that might not be quite so um, legitimate when it started. Exactly. That's what motor racing's all about. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Formula One for the years 1992 <laughs> was all about. Allegedly. No, actually. Okay, fine. It's now beyond the statute of limitation. There's only so many pasta firms you can have on the side of a car, all paying supposedly several million euros or, or lira, billion lira then at the time for a car that didn't actually run. That, the advantage is just tweeted to uh, at Specutainment saying, ah, yes, definitely another normal midweek motorsport tonight, all right. Already talking about testing mules against llamas. Yes, we, just, we do like to, to get that in. I still think the llama would be quicker. And I'm, uh, I have a real feeling that Alpaca might beat both of them. Really? Yep. You'll upset more Dolly. Compact. You will. Well, it depends what the regulations are next year. <laughs> uh, right, okay, so Silverstone. Uh, Up for sale, someone don't know who it is, and they're in the lead. Yes, there. Sounds like, like a really bad comedy there. And out of the lead, it's someone at Silverstone, we don't know who it is. Uh, could be uh, could be Smithers or Jones or someone from abroad, a foreigner. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, oh. We have a new lap record at the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Well, that was a couple of weeks Is ago, wasn't it? Is that an actual car? It wasn't mentioned like... on last week's show. Probably when the pause is. Uh, it was the week... Uh, in racing... It was only ten days ago that it happened. In, in racing. racing? In a race, yes. Yes, the VLN. This, this was the VLN race. Now, this is, a, this is a bit of an odd one, this, because it wasn't using the same circuit as used in the 24 hours. It so was it using the, the VL. It hasn't got the Nürburgring loop. The, the it doesn't Grand have circuit the Grosse Preschlecher, no. Uh, really? I believe so. No, no. It, it, there's two different versions of the Grand Prix. Oh no, you're track right. Yes, he used the used. Kurt, uh, Strecker of the. There you go. See. Yes. But he still broke the record by uh, half a second. What what car was it? It was the Ford GT. Hey. Yeah. What's that doing in VLN? It's uh, winning races and setting new lap records with Nico Vodonk behind the wheel. Okay. Right. Okay, but what, who's Ford GT, is it? Because it it's isn't... the Altson Ford Ah, GT. yes, the UV Altson car. Um, the thing about that, that that's interesting is that, as we've said before when we've done our coverage, 
the kind of lap times that Kevin Estria did in the McLaren, what, three years ago now, um, and before we had the uh, speed limits and the changes to the track, uh, uh, basically, if you take off the Grand Prix track, the kind of time that they are spending in GT cars going around the Nordschleife now is scary fast compared to what Formula 1 was, to what the big sports cars were back in the day. And ultimately, these are quote-unquote street-derived <laughs> GT cars. Now, things have changed like tyre technology, the track's been resurfaced, but it's possibly not quite as bumpy, but it's still the Nordschleifer, and it's still damn scary. And, you know, you don't want to have an off there. As, in fact, the Koenigsegg guys found uh, the week we were there for the WEC... They wrecked it put it outside the bounds of the circuit and into what would have been a spectator area whilst going but, to, to but try and break the, it the is street car. It is amazing how things go wrong on a track, though, isn't it? It can be. <laughs> it can, particularly when the track's breaking up. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, a trivia question for you. Oh, go on. Mm-hmm. What is the connection Uh-oh. between the car or driver uh, which holds the lap record for just the Nordschleifer without any right. of yeah. Uh, the record set by uh, Nico Vidonk in the Alton Ford GT. Right. Mm-hmm. And the street legal road car record. They're all held by Dutchmen. Well, Nico Vidonk is Belgian to start with. Oh, okay. Same thing. The street legal road car is held by a radical. It is. is the re- driven by. Well, you driven said a Dutchman. Yeah, d- driven by... Lincoln uh, Mullen? No. no. Um, oh, Vergers? Michael, Michael Vergers? Michael Vergers. Vergers, correct. Michael yes. Vergers, thank you. I, thank can, you read, I can read quicker than John can, Graham Goodwin's <laughs> information. <laughs> I, I had my eyes closed, so I was trying hard to think. And he did it in a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt with a helmet on. It was marvellous. The onboard is there. Uh, uh, right, OK. The Nordschleife without GP loop, the record goes back to 1983... Right. Um, which would have been Stefan Beloff? Stefan Beloff. Graham Goodwin's doing very well tonight. No, no, no. no, 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 no. That no. was John, in fairness. That, that was me. So the connection between the three. They're all from the Low Countries. No. St- uh, Stefan Beloff. He's Belgian. Nico Verdonk's Belgian. And Michael Verges is Dutch. So that's not the connection. They all speak it. Flemish. The cars were Ford GT. Porsche 9, I think. Porsche 956, Radical. Radical SR8 LM. They were all V8s? Mm, not the, for, the Porsche no can't be. No one knows. We don't us. know. Tell we us. don't know. They were all using Dunlop tyres. Ah. Ah. Uh, I'll my Dunlop reading voice for those. Yes. Uh... The 24 hours is the odd one. The VLN uses more of a standard layout, says Fabian. The 4GT is all by Jürgen Alsen, Uwe's brother. Ah, thank you very much. Uh, Graham Goodwin uh, can join us now, editor of dailysportscar.com. Good evening, Graham. Oh, maybe you can't. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I I can. I can hear Graham. Yeah, apologies, that was me. I sat on the button. Never mind. Language. (laughs) Scary stuff. Um, the Michael Verges one was an extraordinary lap. 
Um, oh, absolutely amazing lap. Uh, who put the Cornish egg off? Was it the Cornish egg? No, it wasn't the Cornish egg at all, was it? Who? We were there for the WEC. Who put that car off when they were trying to take the lap record? It was the Koenigsegg. It was the I have a feeling, wasn't it, was it Matthias Pesch? It was somebody I think it who, might have been Pesch. Who didn't want to own up to it. No. Um, I, I, I think it was another Low Countries driver, actually. I, but I think, it's I think that was Bleakermolen, wasn't it? I think if you, if you do drop Koenigsegg off a track, you're not going to want to admit it, are you? It was pretty second Comprehensively, yes. Um, not well. Yes. Not just panel damage. Um, Graham Goodwin is with us, so let's do a bit of, uh, of sports cars, seeing as all Tim nicely uh, got us uh, into it. Plenty of things to talk about this week. We'll, we'll grab a Marshall Pruitt in a, in a way while as well, because some of this um, we can have you both on. 20 minutes to nine here in the uh, UK. Um, let's first of all talk about... Well, there's a lot of Jacques Nicolet news this week. <laughs> Um, effectively, Graham. Um, uh, let, let's let's start with his latest acquisition, which has also led to some name changes that we're going to have to get used to. Uh, the latest acquisition being the Sodemo. Do you remember what, what Sodemo do, Nick? Engines, isn't it? Correct. It well is. done. I mean, yes. uh, known known very much to uh, Le Mans fans as the uh, the tuners, uh, the build engine builders that uh, built the Peugeot. Uh, V6 turbos for Pescarolo for many years, mm-hmm. uh, but also all sorts of other things, DTM, uh, Rally Raid with Range Rover, and the Renault Laguna, uh, Williams F1 uh, Renault Lagunas for BTCC. But uh, it's been a troubled concern. We're in receivership. Uh, they're actually based on the same uh, Manicore Techno Park as one of... Um, what is now, I think, what you're also referring to is the change of the company name. Correct. Automotive remains, but the holding company is now going to be known as Everspeed, uh, which includes all of Jacques. Which um, gives us a fantastic service. opportunity, Tim Greer, to re uh, to re up an old feature, our new life in Everspeed. <laughs> I know it was Everwood, and we have it as Evan Ham. But we could have ever speed, certainly. And by the way, um, Stefan Belleff wasn't Belgian. I forgot to um, crack Nick over the head when he said that. Um, oh, before my time. It's yeah. Oh, uh, but, but should say, by the way... That You've heard about the Romans, though, haven't you? Right, you Absolutely. didn't have to be there. What did they ever do for us? Yes, exactly right. So Everspeed is the new company that comprises <laughs> everything. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's all sorts of uh, interests he's got in publishing. He owns, for instance, the DPPI photo agency. Um, there is uh, his automotive and motorsport side, which, of course, involves racing on road automotive and a couple of other concerns. Uh, but what this gives him is, um, for the first time, a proper engine builder. Now, what might that mean? Well, it could just mean that he's actually being opportunistic here. He's retaining the workshop. He's retaining all the... Um, all the oily bits that are there, but best of all, he's retaining the 24 jobs that otherwise would have been mm. lost. So, you know, more than a golf clap for, clap for that one. Um, we also know, though, that uh, the Ligier concern, the uh, route concern, builds CN cars, and they've announced that uh, their newest CN car is going to have a Peugeot engine. Now, I wonder whether that might, in part, be part of the, uh, the, the deal here. Clearly, he can't build the engines for the LMP3 cars that he's putting out in by the dozen because that's uh, a one-shot deal with Orica building the drivetrain. But more or less everything else that he's building 
he could actually bid for uh, for for those kind of contracts, and certainly uh, for the CN cars, which have got a you know crack a little market. Uh, there might well be some work for those uh, for those guys at uh, what is still currently known as Sedemo. Um, you know, within that concern, so that, that is, that's good news. That's that's uh, there is know, an opportunity a... though there, as James Ryder rightly points out. He's fastest finger first here. An opportunity to turn something out as a rival to, or a similar concept to, rather than a rival, but in the same area as a Genetta G57, isn't there? Oh, well, he could, I mean, which I'm is an LMP3 it, and... car, but without the spec engine, with a, well, another yeah. form of power plant. It's another fun power plant, but with a completely different area package, floor, etc., etc., but based on the same tub. But then again, we've seen that with others as well. We've already got, I think, hydrogen-fueled, um, or powered, rather, uh, a DES, haven't we, LMP3? So, you know, the, the, the basic chassis uh, of these LMP3 cars is, you know, is pretty flexible mm. um, in industrial terms, and obviously in, in maturity terms. But uh, from, from their point of view, you know, could he put in place a, a separate kind of powertrain and sell it as a, you know, a mega track day car? Of course he could. Yeah. Um, has he got plans to build an awful lot more cars we've currently seen? Yes, he yes. does. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be an awful lot more Ligiers in a year's time. The, uh, the He's all, already, of course, been linked with uh, the uh, DPI project or the company, I suppose we have to call that Everspeed now. Uh, Everspeed has been linked with the um, Nissan-powered DPI uh, company, of uh, of which more in the coming weeks, because that isn't well. In fact, actually, when we get Marshall on later, I've I've got a question to ask him and you uh, about uh, about that. Um, the um, the uh, oh. Right Turn Lover says, what's Nicolay's next step going to be? Tyre company, oil company or racetrack? He has everything else. And Nick Holland has said, uh, what about Silverstone? Ah! ah! <laughs> Very good. Um, and he's one of those not-so-foreign people being French. Yes, he's hardly foreign at all. <laughs> well, it used to be part of Britain, didn't it? <laughs> it did. <laughs> we didn't fight 100 years' war for nothing. No, absolutely not. Um, the... Uh, Graham Goodwin, dailysportscar.com editor, uh, along with uh, Nick Damon, Tim Graham, me, John Hindorf, are on the radio at the moment. Um, busy weekend last weekend, which we'll, uh, we'll go through in a little while. Um, what else is going on in the sports car world that uh, that you've got there? We've got, this, oh, we've got the Chris Hoy documentary coming up this weekend, don't we? Yeah, massive, massive interest in that. And, um, you know, uh, I think there might just be a little bit of Radio Le Mans, mightn't there, mm. uh, during that? Because certainly there was a, a camera person, and it was a person, um, in the booth for much of the uh, the race, popping in whenever there was an opportunity to record something, and seemed to recall being told that that was for that uh, documentary, mm. John. So hopefully they don't, have me looking the most bemused man in the world at the end of the race as to what on earth was going on but uh but yeah i'm looking forward to that and uh you know chris hoy you know we've said before on the show example to a great number of uh, sports people around the world in terms of the way the he he kind of uh, heads you know heads into and through a challenge and i expect that to be very entertaining viewing um i'll get we'll get mp i'll tell you what i'm gonna get mp up in in just a moment um but the RCFGT3 will debut yes. this weekend in Europe, just out from its uh, just out from its homologation 
down in France or the BOP yep. testing. It's, it's going to Ladoo, Ladoo, Ladoo. How about you, you, you? You can come two, two, two. Going to Ladoo. Mm. 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 Uh, so where are we going to see it this weekend? Oh VLN. Uh, all right. It's okay. going to be. It's going to race uh, on the Nordschleife. In fact, we've got uh, debuts on the, on the Nordschleife for the what we believe is now the homologated version of the Lexus RCF GT3, which will be seen next season amongst other places in the newly renamed, renamed um, Gentilozzi uh, IMSA program, uh, and also uh, debuting in the VLN this weekend but this time of, of a debut in the series rather than a racing debut is the ktm crossbow so we'll have a couple of those with the stuck brothers in, in one of those cars in what guys a, a vaguely gt4 as we've it's seen GT4. before it's the yes right. it's the coupe version the writer engineering car so that could be quite an interesting little weapon around uh, the nordschleifer how long are those races six hours it's six. This one is six. Hours. Oh, is it uh, right? Six or four hours. Is this six or four hours? They, have to do, double check they that. do struggle to get any sort of running out of those things on the preventive races. I've not seen one going anywhere near a, a full run yet. And it's Farmbacker who've got the. It's a four hour race this weekend. It is a four, it's Dominic and Mario Farmbacker uh, and the Farmbacker racing team. Um, and they, they, of course, have been running a previous iteration of the car. Let's uh, to remind the, the listener that, that this is the fourth iteration, <laughs> a fourth ch- uh, uh, shot they've actually had to get this right. But uh, Farnbacher Racing have been racing a, a development version of the car, as have Lexus Racing, which is actually Emil Fry Racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Emil Fry Racing will be better known probably to uh, listeners as the guys behind the rather excellent Jaguars in the Blompin Endurance Series um, have also been running a development Lexus in the VLN. But uh, this so appears this to be the, same... the real deal. All right, so this is the same one that, that Gentilotti will be running. This is the same one that's come out of out of Japan um, yes. that, that has been... Effectively, all the strands have been pulled together with this. Let's hope so. Yes, this is, I am told, the car that uh, that has been to the uh, homologation uh, runs um, at the Michelin testing ground, isn't it, in, uh, in Ladue? And, you know, will be, if it's not already, formally approved for GT3 running for 2017. But they and will get its BOP, of course. Correct. Yeah. But I suspect it will not be running this weekend as an SP9 I suspect it'll still be running up there as an SPX SPX yep yeah but uh, it will be a different car to the one we've seen so far um yeah I, I, I'm quite intrigued actually to see what that car is uh, is going to look like uh, and of course more importantly how it's going to go you listen to midweek motorsport 10 to 9 here in the UK uh, we'll bring in Marshall Pruitt of racer.com hello Marshall Hello, Marshall. Yes. So Marshall and Graham on together, and I, I want them on together for the for the next couple of stories um, that we want to do because there's there's linkage uh, between uh, some of these. Um, start with um, a story that's just popped up on um, Racer.com, written by Marshall Pruitt about the Nismo. Nissan GT3R GT3. MP, enlighten us. It's a pretty car, goes quickly, makes nice sounds, and I'd love to have one. 
Um, all kidding aside. What's, what's not to agree uh, with with that? Thank you and good night. See, there that, we go. That was the incisive journalism we expect it is, from Marshall. It's the analysis. It's the analysis took, took me three weeks to uncover that, Nick. Thank you. <laughs> uh, spoke with Michael Carcamo actually last weekend. Who is the head uh, of Nismo worldwide. <laughs> yep, global motorsports boss. Spoke with him about an hour or two hours before the start of Petit Le Mans. And also spoke with Rick Kulak, who's the head of uh, Nissan's motorsports program in the U.S., and they both uh, espouse their interest in seeing the GTR run in IMSA's GT Daytona category. So that might sound a bit obvious. Uh, the, where this, to me at least, is of interest is this was not previously possible uh, before our friends at Tequila Patron, ESM, and Nissan came together to create the uh, upcoming Nissan Daytona prototype, which will enter... IMSA's WeatherTech Championship in 2017. So with the all-important manufacturer's agreement struck between the brand and between IMSA, that not only opens the door for the DPI that's coming, it opens the door for any GTRs that might want to come and play in GTD. So that agreement, first of all, is what opens the door. The other part to me that is important is uh, both Carcamo and Kulak said, they would support it, and I don't just mean morally. Uh, they would make uh, you know technical support available, trackside support available, and as you well know, for uh, any GT3 program, that really is part and parcel of what you need in any major championship. So no news in terms of Team X is going to come and mm. participate at Daytona or uh, VIR, you name it, but we at least know that now the door is open, and uh, Kulak, in particular, said he wouldn't be surprised if a European team was the first to dip, dip their toe in the waters, maybe in more of a cherry-picking standpoint, Hindy, than a full-season entry. Now, what Marshall's talking about here, everybody, is that in order to take part in IMSA competition, uh, a manufacturer has got to sign up to um, their marketing agreement and monies have got to change Hands. I actually, I wasn't going to talk about this this week uh, until this GTD story um, came up. But what is significant in its absence in the story from uh, the DPI car, uh, and indeed from everything that Marshall has just said, is that as yet um, Nissan or Nismo have not committed to uh, being a registered manufacturer. In IMSA, um, the press release for the DPI Graham was very, very specific in saying from Michael Kakamo about the supply of an engine to Onrock now Everspeed, um, and that was all. And there's been no announcement about Nissan actually being a uh, being a registered manufacturer. Now that's all right because Ben Keating has done the same for the last couple of seasons with the Viper when when Dodge didn't want it uh, to to effectively be a registered manufacturer. Ben Keating um, made the arrangement with the sanctioning body, but as as yet we haven't really got a handle on how that would work. But Marshall's absolutely right. If it's paired in one class, effectively the GT3 guys could could get the benefit from it. And we uh, also and don't see a case, Andy, where, frankly, manufacturers uh, promote the fact that they have paid the manufacturer's agreement because it's not news from a press release standpoint. I mean, hey, we paid money so we could participate. Uh, that isn't really a headline. 
but knowing that uh, this obviously must happen in order for the uh, ESM Nissan DPIs to be there, and that there's you know clearly a willingness for this to happen, that is where the uh, the the knock-on effect mm. of having GTRs uh, come and play ha- happens to. Uh, Again, at least for me, become a point of interest. So I'll see the team this weekend, uh, Maz Race with Laguna Seca, the Pirelli World Challenge team, which features uh, factory Nissan USA-backed entries, along with uh, some of their cool sponsors that are involved as well. But again, I haven't heard anything to lead me to believe that the World Challenge cars, GTRs, are headed to IMSA. Uh, nor do I think that they will, uh, at least in the short term. But uh, again, I'm happy to hear the doors open. And if yeah, I don't want to do Petite, Daytona, you name it, uh, it's there. The point, I mean, cer- certainly, John, auto, I mean, always evolving, uh, who are kind of one of the, the partners in that program, have made it very clear they're looking both to expand their program in Pirelli World Challenge and have an aspiration to grow the brand at some point with IMSA, but Marshall's absolutely right. There's been no time frame that's been set in any of my conversations with them on it. The key to it, I know this has been something that uh, the internet's been alive with since uh, the story was broken, um, you know, during the Cota weekend, uh, is, is basically, it's not just a matter of who's paying, it's what's involved in that deal. Because, of course, there are various aspects to the, the dpi program that have to be in place and one of them is the bespoke bodywork yeah and that then leads to the to the question which i think is the next question you're going to ask um which is uh is who's paying for that now the answer there i suspect we're not going to get that answer that question answered uh, anytime anytime soon by uh, by esm is it clearly is in Onroke's interests to actually have access Correct. to that bodywork because, of course, that then gives them a package that they can sell um, in addition to the Gibson package. So my guess would be, and it is a guess, is that what we're looking at here is a commercial deal that involves some investment from Onroke that may well involve some investment from ESM and involves approval, but possibly not investment from this and this and this moment. Yes, good point. Um, sorry, I've just realised that uh, Marshall didn't hear any of that, um, but should be able uh, to uh, hear Graham when he uh, speaks again. I-, I think that's something that w- that we have to have to keep an eye on, and uh, direct no. questions uh, I have to be asked on that. I'm not being deliberately. No, uh, no. It's, 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 I think well, the the issue was where the, the concern, I think, or rather, sorry, the confusion was as to whether or not this is a factory effort. And it and, isn't. You know, and I, well, I certainly sense there is more than a degree of sensitivity about the question, let's put it that way, mm. and I'm being very gentle indeed about the way in which I'm, I'm, uh, I'm placing that question. There's certainly a fair degree of sensitivity about a whole range of matters to do with the, uh, the announcement there. And then, you know, then we get into, um, well, let's put it this way, if, if it's not a Nissan factory deal, uh, on the basis of the statement post Petit Le Mans, I don't think there's any chance whatsoever of ESM getting a Honda deal anytime soon. Uh, no, that was uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm I, I, I'm not going to go over it here. If you haven't no. seen it, go to the ESM page. Uh, I'll go to anybody who who reprinted the um, after Petit uh, debrief notes on from ESM. Um, with with Ed Brown calling into question um, the honour, effectively, of, of, of HPD 
Um, very interesting. And in, fairness, and in fairness, this has been pointed out to me by a number of people using some figures which don't hold water, I'm afraid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, it, it was a it was a great great weekend, Marshall at uh, Petilamon. We're going to talk about that um, in a moment. Um, very quickly, one positive story to come out the weekend, which I know both of you guys were across. Friday night was the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup USA uh, Challenge by Yokohama um, End of Season Awards. And after the awards, Allegra Motorsports basically grabbed the mic from me and said, right, we've been sitting on this for a while. We're going to buy a GT Daytona car. We're going to put our driver, Michael Di Casada, along with the championship winning driver, Jesse Lazare, in platinum. Um, Michael Di Casada won gold. And uh, Daniel Morad, who won the Ultra 94, the same championship in, in Canada. We're going to put them in a car and we're going to... Um, get them testing with the idea of going racing at Daytona. Great family atmosphere in that uh, in that paddock, by the way. An extraordinary thing to do, Marshall, but exactly what you'd expect from somebody like Allegra who have got the wherewithal to run cars and indeed have run prototypes in the past as well. Yeah, and quite successfully. Uh, and, and count me among those who uh, want to see more teams like Allegra say, hey, we, uh, we have obviously fared well in the uh, training categories, if you want to call them that, and they're training in some capacity, usually for young drivers or even older drivers, but those who are new to uh, sports car racing. So you love to see the fact that uh, a team and its drivers have succeeded uh, below the feature uh, series, and then also express an interest to step up. Uh, It doesn't mean that always has to happen. Some folks are just thoroughly happy to spend their lives in a continental tire series are similar but yeah like you great to hear that uh, after a very very successful year nothing but positive things hey we're going to go do bigger and better things or at least crack that door open and hopefully uh, we will see more so telling you brother gt daytona next year oh. i know that i know that uh, dpi is going to probably get most of the headlines because formula change some new this new that but Wow, uh, I have a commentary that should be out shortly on how, honestly, GT Daytona, that, uh, that is looking like the absolute raging beast among the uh, four classes next year in the WeatherTech Championship. That's Marshall Pruitt, Graham Goodwin, along with Tim Gray up in London. Uh, and we've got Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent. We'll talk some bikes with him as well in a little while. I'm John Hindoff. It's half time in this week's Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport. And if that was the entree, here's a taste of tonight's dessert. Well, plenty more to come from you as well. Keep the tweets coming in at Specutainment and at uh, Radio Le Mans. They are flooding in at the moment with your comments. Uh, the... Uh, does, the, does a wrap count as bespoke bodywork? Well, there's only one correct answer in the wind tunnel, is what we're talking about, about bespoke bodywork for DPI next year. Uh, still to come, bikes rallying, pointless press release of the week, and news in Spanish. We'll have some more sports car news with Marshall Pruitt from Racer.com and Graham Goodwin the editor of Daily Sports Car to come as we head into the second hour of this week's Midweek Motorsport live on RadioLeMond.com. 
Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. So the guys are still here. Uh, we'll, we'll crack through a few stories from the weekend because, as you've heard, plenty uh, to um, plenty to get through uh, on tonight. Um, MP, did you enjoy Petit Le Mans? I did. It actually felt like it went by too quickly. I agree. Uh, after last year's where it felt like it couldn't end because it was, you know, raining like mad the entire time. So, yeah, it, it again, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and I was worn out by the end of it, but felt like it was over too quickly. So I don't know if that's just a sign that we were having too much fun or, or what. But uh, also, you know, there were uh, it was a fairly normal event in that no crazy weather. No giant crashes, and I know that I mentioned that uh, during the race to you, mm. but if, if you think about the, the headlines in recent years leading up to the race, last year we had both uh, Michael Shank Racing's Liget uh, being stripped down to the tub and uh, shuttled off to Elan Technologies for carbon fiber repair to make the race. We had uh, recently what is well the... Uh, Falcon Tire uh, Porsche team having to send its frame off to be repaired after a big crash. And there have been lots of big, oh my goodness, headlines of people in major drama just trying to get to, to the start of the 10 hours. Uh, and this year, again, for the most part, uh, we had normal practice sessions, normal qualifying, normal warm-up. Mm. And barring barring the, uh, the halftime, the unexpected halftime we got in the <laughs> middle of the race, which... Go get a hot dog, go to the the men's room, the ladies' room, and, uh, you know, catch a nap. Other than that little pause, it's a pretty normal event. We haven't had one of those in a while, huh? Yeah, I seem to remember Dennis Huth was our CEO out in his very lovely shoes, kicking through concrete at Sebring a few years ago. An hour and five minutes that took to sort brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Um couple of extraordinary things that happened uh, in the race. Extraordinarily bad luck for Mazda again, MP, with a, a very public, very fiery, very photogenic accident. Thank goodness driver was fine, but not the way that we wanted to see the final Lola chassis ever bout of international competition. And uh, I have no clue what Speed Saw, Sylvan Tremblay's team, what Mazda have to do to get a result. A um, couple of, if we were talking about the good and the bad there for Mazda, a couple of ugly incidents as well. One at the track for BMW with the two uh, Turner BMWs coming together uh, out on the circuit. And then, frankly, an extraordinary display of petulance by a BMW works driver. That, uh, yeah, mate, All I, as I said to someone else, I can only hope he's on a multi-year contract because if he is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I'm just, you know, let's be honest. If his contract is up at the end of 2016 and that was the public lasting and televised display of either brand loyalty or just brand sensibility, that might not have helped Jens when it comes to uh, negotiating an extension or something new. I, at least for me, Heidi, I feel bad for folks when they have outbursts like that where no one else's fault it was completely unnecessary and to top all that off instead of getting out of the car going to the team bosses and saying my goodness i'm sorry that was unnecessary as you said slamming the door storming off and uh you know just pouring salt in his own wounds yeah the, i i 
you know, while some might have giggled or laughed or thought that was funny, I just feel sad for the person. And knowing how tenuous full-time jobs are in motor racing right now as a factory driver in any capacity, uh, you hate to see when folks uh, do things that could jeopardize uh, the strength of their full-time employment. Uh, and the, the worst thing is I uh, hear from people down in the pit lane who know a lot more about this thing than I do, Graham, that once the new tyre was put on the turn of BMW, the car was actually fine to continue racing. I mean that that's that just that just makes it worse. They were that was a couple it, that would have ended up being a, probably a couple of, of podium positions for Will Turner's group. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether or not it's worse that it was a customer team or not, but it was another one of those instances. I tend to kind of sort of agree with with Marshall on this one. It's sad when actually temperament just gets in the way of common sense and it's done in such a public way. But again, you know, with the initial incident, we didn't see the lead up to that incident. No, that's true. But the, the incident having happened, um, the um, the clash obviously was a huge unfortunate, not the first and certainly not the last time. I'm sure we'll see teammates getting together on the racetrack. Certainly not. But then, but then on pit lane, it was a little like, you know, having reloaded the gun, he's just shot himself in the foot with, he then did it again. And, you know, frankly, I would have hoped that in the time it took him to get back to the pits after spinning out, that there would have been time enough uh, to have cooled down enough to have just dealt with the immediate aftermath. But uh, as it turned out, the, the you know a couple of the other extraordinary happenings that happened after the flag meant that the car, the the other car, finished on the podium anyway. Uh, but it could have been very, very different. And uh, certainly my guess is that uh, Jens Market will be having a quiet chat with Mr. Klingman um, about uh, how that must never, ever, ever happen again if indeed he does remain as a, as a BMW factory driver. We'll wait and see. But um, not great to see it on TV, is it? No. And I, and I think that will be the lasting impression, unfortunately. Um, probably didn't help Jens's cause uh, that one of the primary sponsors were down in the pit lane at the time with their guests, including the global marketing uh, director for said primary. However, um, it does seem as though BMW Motorsport at least seems to think that it was nothing other than high-spiritedness rather than the petulance that we saw, um, because basically they've said they'll have a chat with them, he's a young lad, that sort of thing happens, and on we go. Um, yes. He's meant to be in an M6 with Schnitzer um, this week for the VLN. Um, so we'll we'll see what it is. I have to say I'm a tad nonplussed about that from uh, BMW Motorsport. They've been a supporter of uh, Jens for quite a while. In fairness, he's been very loyal to them. Won a championship, a BMW championship, the year DSC, Formula BMW championship, I think in 2017, the same year he was third in the world finals. Um, and he has been very loyal to them, and I understand that, but I, I just think that's not very BMW brand, what we saw. Well, yeah. I'll uh, tell you what, though, John, I think, you know, I've seen that. It, it, it rather underlines, on the opposite kind of end of the spectrum, just how hugely professional we saw professionalism we saw for a number of other teams and principal amongst them quite aside from Mazda I thought played an absolute blinder and was so unlucky in the last mm. 15 minutes the winning car and the way that those guys drove and the way that oh. those guys turned that around superb but I'd like just a, just a moment for Rizzi Composizio oh, because it does your heart proud to see 
racers, not just on track, um, battling away, but actually the way they turned that kind of wreck car around in the pits was just superb. Uh, the the uh, and actually Mazda's uh, response to that, somebody and I understand this. Somebody tweeted to Mazda Racing, uh, you know, feel sorry for you. What a tragedy! And to their eternal credit, they said. Uh, this isn't a tragedy because you know we all got home everything's fine are we heartbroken of course we are but whilst we say thank you for your thoughts don't think this is a tragedy there's much worse things going on in the world which I, I thought was a stunning stunning response to what happened there MP and BMW's problems didn't end with their factory driver with a customer team because I'm, I'm sad to say that um, Lucas Lur got himself into a bit of trouble after the race as well at the weekend. Yeah, a bit too much of the drink, it appears, uh, during or after Monday night's banquet uh, at Chateau Alain. Uh, granted, I mean, he, uh, our good friend Lucas, and I do mean that, you know, he's, he's a long-time friend for many of us outside of his role as a professional race car driver. Uh, sad to hear, uh, had some... some Back-channel discussions, I don't think this is going to affect uh, his professional standing. Uh, he, uh, with a bit too much drink in him, and this seems to be something, I don't know why it happens in America a lot, it, it happened uh, with uh, then IndyCar team owner, current Formula E team owner Jay Penske, where uh, a bit too much of, uh, uh, of imbibing uh, led to urinating outside uh at a small business and uh this happened to be at a uh, gas station uh petrol station where uh, apparently he uh relieved himself near or around some of the pumps and it was kind enough to show uh i guess the officer or the arresting officer where he uh, relieved himself uh nonetheless uh, he was released the following morning, Tuesday morning, on a $600 bond. So, you know, embarrassing for Lucas, embarrassing for anybody that has to go through that. Uh, you would hope that it wouldn't happen again. And I'm not trying to heap positivity on something just for the sake of it, but uh, if we're talking about somebody we know who is intoxicated, I would rather hear about them uh, relieving themselves in public and getting in trouble than climbing behind the wheel. So, uh, if there's a silver lining... It's that this did not involve uh, drinking and driving. Uh, before we leave the weekend stuff and move on to something a bit broader, um, Michelin Tyres changing the tyre regs for next year announced uh, MP in IMSA. Um, the GTLM cars will effectively have to pick their tyres um, and their tyre compounds before the start of the season. That's uh, There's going to be a, a tyre test uh, at Road Atlanta uh, as part of a, a broader test later on uh, next month now. Yeah, and this I think we're going to see this become more the norm in motor racing. This isn't uh, this isn't something that's wholly exclusive to Michelin and its GT tires. You're hearing more about this where uh, one brand is supplying either an entire field or an entire class where decisions are made much sooner than maybe they have been in the past, or at least you know, uh, within the last decade, where you know weeks before or you know at least into the new year of a season, some decisions could still be made 
changes made to compound construction otherwise uh, and you know heck when lots of money was being thrown into open wheel and sports cars you could see those compound changes or construction changes seemingly at every round uh, those days are you know a bit behind us so it does mean that uh, for a company like Michelin or a Firestone a Pirelli you name it a continental uh, decisions are being made early tests are being done uh, during you know not too far into the off season and then from a production standpoint, they go into production, and uh, that is the allotment. So nothing out of the norm, that, but just bearing in mind this has kind of become the new norm. Do it early, set it early, mm. and uh, hopefully we don't have any more um, mid-season compound change allowances Correct. as we saw this year with uh, the Porsche team. Um, this is what the collective are saying about Mr. Klingman. Uh, Jeff East- Easterling says it was reaction, his reaction in the pit lane that uh, left a bad taste in the mouth. Uh, where is... Uh, would BM, why would BMW... Uh, good that BMW are loyal, but difficult choice to choose an employee over a potential s- or sponsor. That was James Riser. The storm-off would have been pathetic in a cadet kart race. Mike Headland, good evening, Mike. Nice to know you're listening in. He said... Uh, if this was one of my cars, I know someone who would never set foot in them if they be- behaved that way after the incident. Contact is, is not a big deal. And on the other side of this, uh, we have this from Daniel. He said, we saw a little of the incident, but BMW are bound to have all the info. Obviously decided it was no big deal. Time to accept that. Okay. Uh, at Specutainment or at Radio Le Mans. Uh, the long arm of the law caught up with... It's it's sad when we get the the whole of motor racing gets sort of tarred with the brush when one of our own gets uh, the tap on the shoulder from the long arm of the law. Scott Tucker uh, was yeah. finally uh, uh, sentenced, brought to justice uh, over the last week or so as well. Uh, big numbers in, involved here, uh, gentlemen. What, billions? Am I right in saying? It's yeah, one point two billion, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, 1.266 billion. And keep in mind, there are there are two items going on here. This was uh, a decision made on a penalty, a fine. Yes, so that's, that's this is a one... civil trial. I should say that this is not a criminal trial. This is a civil trial. Quite correct. Yeah. Yes. The bad part for Scott, having been given a 1.266 billion dollar uh, invoice. Uh, there is now the criminal trial that awaits mm. him in April of 2017 in Manhattan, and that, uh, whereas he has been instructed to pay a monetary fine just now, uh, he could be instructed to join some folks in uh, a place of uh, mass incarceration and uh, confinement. So we don't know if that will happen, but knowing that this is a criminal trial, he could indeed receive some form of prison sentence. So uh, news on Scott Tucker is far from over. Um, it's ironic, isn't it? There's just a huge amount of interest in this case. Yeah, he's here all week. I um, want to finish this off with uh, a story that uh, came out uh, on DSC um, with our uh, colleagues over at uh, Creventic, the 24-hour series. Um, and um, this is a tough one because we've got feet in both camp here. Um the ACO sent out a statement which I'm going to read and 
uh, Evil Brucus has sent me some uh, comments to go uh, along with this. I'm going to read them out and leave them. I've got a supplementary questions to both of you at the end of this. Uh, following the announcement of various statements made by the Dutch company Kreventnik about the creation of the 24-hour Proto series, the ACO wishes to make the following clarification. The ACO intends to respond and decides uh, and denies having agreed with Kreventnik on the organisation of a racing series called 24-hour Proto series, which is open to LMP3. Uh, Evo has... Uh, responded to that through uh, an email to us which says Kravenik never declared having an agreement with the ACO or uh, an agreement to organise a prototype series. The ACO, says the ACO, denies having granted to Kravenik the LMP brand as well as the LMP technical regulations which are its exclusive property. Again, this from Kravenik, uh, we never declared we would use ACO regulations, LMP3 brand is not protected, ACO filed a request to protect LMP3 and LMP2 only six days after our announcement with the European Union Intellectual Property Office. Going back to the ACO, similarly the use of the list of LMP3 competitors entered in LMS as that of future events was made without the knowledge and against the will of the ACO. Uh, Kravenik respond, we are not obliged or have agreed with the ACO to share their provisional entry list to sh with the ACO. Uh, back to the ACO, we on this point, as on the above, the ACO strongly denies and reser reserves to defend its rights. The ACO intend to defend their intellectual property within the LMP3 brand and its associated regulations from other racing organisations who intend to promote races and series without pro prior discussion with them. Uh, this from Avo himself. Finally, after two days of calling, I was able to speak to Vincent, that's Vincent Bormanil, the director of uh, sporting matters at the ACO. I explained we are not looking for problems. We want to organise races. We want to cooperate. He couldn't come on it and said he would call me back. Uh, this has been reported by uh, DailySportsCard.com. Uh, contacted by DSC, Kravenik responded that they have been unaware of the potential issue since being made aware had been work working to arrange a meeting with the ACO. It's a miss missed perception. We are only targeting the P3s, LMP3s if you will, because we are talking to manufacturers um, Radical Wolf and Janetta as well about establishing a series for small prototypes. We're keen to work with all interested parties, the teams, manufacturers, and yes, of course, with the rule makers to ensure that everyone involved has had a, has a better and more sustainable business model. I hope, um, from everybody's point of view, that that gets sorted out uh, quickly. I have a request in earlier today, and it was very late noticed, so don't read anything into this either way, to IMSA. Um, they haven't been able to provide me with an official statement because, of course, they'll be using LMP3 cars from next season as their new prototype challenge series along with the current um, IMSA lights. Uh, and I'm assured, although we don't have an official, and as I say, don't read anything into this. It's, it was a relatively short time, a couple of three hours ago, that I put the request in. Um, I'm I assured that no such issue uh, is... Uh, in effect with that part of the IMSA uh, calendar uh, for next year. Actually, do you know what? I'm not going to put the guys in a position to comment uh, on that. I I think uh, we just let that lie. Uh, very quickly, before we go... Both oh, Pindy, Pindy, breaking exclusive scoop. Well, just in my, in my, my mind's inbox... 
Kreventic and Bernie Ecclestone. They're they're starting a new Formula One series. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yes. Very good. Bernie uh, denied. Not to preempt our reviews, but uh, in terms of what we saw at the weekend, in terms of what we saw all season, um, I'll start with you, Grim, because you've watched it from afar via IMSA TV, which I know is not available to everybody, particularly those not in the States. Source of uh, great uh, frustration, I know. Uh, your perception, just in a couple of sentences, of IMSA and Petilamon, not that but not just that but the whole package this year seems to have moved on and we've we've got uh, something that is it looks to be tremendously saleable it's getting there isn't it i thoroughly enjoyed it i mean i, I sat and watched and commented on all 10 hours of it not for the first time and it was a far, i agree with marshall it was a far easier watch than last year and yes we had the fantastic extended uh, interval in the uh, middle of the race where it allowed me to go off and make some tea but uh, but it was good racing and that's what you want you want good racing good racing good driving um not too many silly incidents couple of issues clearly post flag particularly in gtd where perhaps imsa need to have a look and see whether or not their real book is quite as clear as they uh, they seem to think it is uh, which is rather unfortunate for all concerned um but uh, magnus racing i thought stayed pretty classy in the circumstances um Very, but no, yeah. i think it, it hang, hangs together i'm you know like marshall looking forward to what's going to happen with gtd uh, next year with new cars and I'm sure new teams uh, coming along for that one and I think everybody is waiting to see what the new era in the prototype category brings you know it looks like we're already looking into double figures for the prototype category for 2017 that's without anything else that's yet to emerge that you know we don't know about um, GTLM always produces the goods it's going to be I think a very interesting period of time it'll probably need a bit of bedding in certainly the prototype category but my guess is by the time we get to this time next year um that'll have matured nicely and we'll we'll i think hopefully see something that perhaps brings back some of the memories of at least one or two of the glory days we're not back yet to the american le mans series in its pomp um but i think it has the prospect of getting somewhere reasonably close to that uh, with, you know, with fast cars in the hands of factory-backed teams, with fast cars in the hands of pro-am teams, you know, that should be broadly similar on pace at the quicker circuits. I think it's going to be quite an interesting year. I really do. And uh, I enjoyed the stream. It's a shame that I know a lot of the US viewers uh, struggled with uh, with some of the outlets, but uh, the stream, I thought, was was great. And uh, it's you know, it was a great, great race to watch. But... Uh, uh, Stay with us, Graham. Um, Marshall, the in terms of uh, in terms of the uh, the season, um, we have got for the first time for quite a long time uh, an IMSA package, which with the uh, uh, with the Lamborghini and the Porsche categories, with the uh, Mazda lights, with Conti, and with the Big Show, is actually big enough to be standalone we we saw didn't we at Watkins Glen it's a big festival on its own and and that is great we're also seeing that these DPI announcements we were expecting and indeed obviously the AMG Mercedes uh, GTD announcement that we've been trailing for quite some time that in fact even some of their competitors were talking about uh, at the the uh, the weekends uh, the guys from core 
uh, were talking about it, being held over for Los Angeles Auto Show, Detroit Auto Show, because the manufacturers feel that it's important enough to put it before a broader audience, not just the motorsport audience, but their automotive audience and say, hey, look, look what's informing our street cars. And that, to me, is a real uh, a, a real marker, uh, if you will, of how important motor racing has become to some of these big uh, big automotive manufacturers, prestigious automotive uh, manufacturers, and and indeed, how much IMSA is a part of that and those those announcements. There's phenomenal potential, Heidi. There's a couple things which you know I wish all we could speak about were the positives and everything's great and there's no negative angle. There are some things that could temper the positivity when we look ahead. Uh, right now, there are very few manufacturers, very few that I can think of in IMSA, that have large enough budgets to afford the manufacturer agreements to support their factory programs and or the uh, semi-affiliated programs, more in the maybe GTD level. Um, we have a case where there's money to participate there's money being invested into the series by the manufacturers and then there's the money to activate outside of imsa tv ads print ads web campaigns you name it that latter piece the final piece that's something that i think budget wise i think things are getting stretched far enough uh, for most in imsa that it has become very hard for most manufacturers to have a vehicle there or have customer cars there that they support. Uh, whatever level you have engagement, uh, significant financial engagement, as I've been seeing, it, is, it has been to the level where there's not much left to really push that involvement over the top. Mm. Uh, and so that, frankly, that's a huge area uh, to explore in the years to come when we're, when we're sticking to the topic of IMSA has a great product. It has ladder series everywhere. Phenomenal. You can go to an IMSA event, and there's no need to invite any anyone else from any other sanctioning Correct. body to bring their content because they have it. So just as a fan, there's tons there. No reason to invite anyone else. Great overall package. If we're talking about is that package ready to go to the masses, yeah. But again, how do you get to the masses? If you're relying on uh, live streams, probably not going to get you as far as you wanted. If you're relying on a second or third tier cable outlet, probably not going to happen. How do you take this package, which I think we all agree is something that can be taken to any track and succeed live live and in person? how do we get it to uh, to more people? That is, uh, I would say, probably beyond everything else, the number one question uh, IMSA needs to solve for, uh, before that happens. And Pete, thanks for being with us tonight. Mike Headland's just raised a great point, which we don't have time for now because we've only got half an hour left of the show, and I suspect we could do a special on this manufacturer involvement in GT Daytona, particularly GT3. Uh, we could open that up to. Um, I tell you, I tell you what, Mike. That's a big question. I think it's a good question. I'm certainly against it. Um, let's have a debate about that in 
weeks to come. Um, already kicking up a storm on in the Twitter sphere. MP, thanks, mate. Speak to you soon. Thanks, brother. Marshall Pruitt doing great work again for Racer.com. Graham Goodwin is staying with us because Tim Gray has a question and a story for him. Tim? I'm going to start with a story, if I may. Yes, carry uh, on. This is Once one upon that's a time. been pointed uh, in our direction by one of the collective, mm-hmm. uh, Andy Garrett, uh, who has noticed that the uh, new MSA rulebook uh, has a section yes. 15.1.1e. That's my favourite section. Code 60. Code 60. Uh, so which UK championships are likely to start using Code 60, Graham? Which UK championship is likely to start mm, playing play with yeah. Code 60? Is it the British TT championship? You tell me. Or is it the British Prototype championship? Or both? Uh, I mean, I think the answer is it's applicable, for, I think, anywhere, any, any championship that's actually got... You know any kind of length of running that you want to keep that, that or multiple classes. Yes, I mean mm. I think that, that what we're beginning to see as it all matures is, you know, cause there is I think a, a, a very widespread and actually quite a constructive debate on what of the mechanisms you can and should use and in what circumstances because it's not a cure-all. It certainly isn't you know panacea for all on on track ills. It needs to be it used really intelligently. Is. <laughs> the only it's thing better. it doesn't do that I think uh, that that I think would make would make it perfect, and it can't do it because of the nature of how it works. Is for places like the states where they want to do clean up with a gap in the traffic, it doesn't create any big gap in the traffic, so it doesn't bunch the field up. Now, I'm in favour of it not bunching the field up so I think that's a necessary evil and I accept then that it will never certainly it would be very unexpected if it was uh, adopted in a US championship but I think for over here in Europe where we are much more used to double yellows people being out on the circuit with only parts of the track being neutralized which you know let's let's be honest slow zones are only an extension of double yellows. Slow zones are only there because drivers can't be trusted to slow down properly when there's a double yellow flag being waved. And drivers have to bear the brunt of the responsibility for that rule coming in. Um, and uh, But I, I think other than that, there is no downside to Code 60. Uh, and I think that the MSA have, have been smart to put that into their regulations. They have put a little note at the end of it saying uh, the wording has been drafted from the Dutch regulations with small changes for the UK. Yep. Are those small changes translating it into English? Well, that would be one of them. It's take, taking out some of the vowels, basically. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Now, what was so that was the que- that was the story. That's What's the, story. the question? Uh, the question relates to the European Le Mans series, which oh. happened about ten days ago. Mm-hmm. That was at Spa. Yes. Yes. Do we have a definitive result yet? <laughs> I'm now desperately trying to think what on earth happened at Spa and who won. Uh, remind me what the issue was, Tim. Uh, number just, of minutes spent in this car. Is, this is oh, more drive. You're absolutely right. This, this is more the, drive this, time. Yeah. Now th- this, I, I, I'm going to have to speak, I think, to some of the officials when we get to Estoril because. It's always dangerous when you take your data from other competitors. But I Correct. think what I've managed to work out from 
uh, from what access to data I've got is that there is reason for the question to be asked because I believe that the TDS by Tyrier Racing Car started the final lap, which, by the way, started the final lap under um, full course yellow, knowing full well that even if that race went green, he would still have been over his driver hours. So the option was there to pit on that Ooh, final lap. Right. Um, they chose not to. Certainly, it's something like four minutes and ten seconds uh, were on the clock when he started his penultimate lap. Right. And that, what I don't think, would have been enough, um, even with uh, even with uh, the race running green for at least one of those laps. So there are. A, a few people out there and you know by no means is it only the other teams in championship contention who are kind of uh, kicking up a fuss about this one uh, feeling as if you know there has been a double standard applied here you will recall gentlemen that uh, Jota Sports lost a race win by their own miscalculation uh, for driver time and I think it's a, it's certainly a question I'll be asking when we get to Estoril as to why in whatever circumstances um, you know that if the driver has started a lap under full course yellow, so in other words, I think he was in sector three when the full course yellow came out. They must have known at that point they were in trouble. Uh, they had, I think, something like 45 to 60 seconds to make that decision, and they, the decision was either not spotted, not made, or actively made to send the car around again and to be way over. Had that come out on the final lap then I'd have been a lot more sympathetic with that course, but it didn't. Um, the 46 car had not completed its penultimate lap uh, under green. It completed its penultimate lap with the last sector and part of the second sector under full course yellow. That was a very full answer. It was. It was the answer we I was want? looking for, I think. <laughs> yeah. And we, I, think, um, I think that was what was on the card, Tim. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's Series 11, Episode 30. Six. 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 Five. Six. I've got a couple of things to squeeze in before the end, one of which we might keep Graham for, I think. Shall we do that first then, Tim? Hey! Lotecias en Espanol. Ole. Por Midweek Motorsport. Bono Estente. It is uh, news in Spanish then. Uh, crack on. Los Blandos predominarian in El GP de Japón. Do you want to start this one? Yes, I'm afraid it's saying the bland people are going to be uh, winning at... Is the that G- the blands from up the street? Terry no, and Sharon Bland and their two bland. kids. And one of the things I mean with Blandos, it's a kind of also a, a meaning for people who are kind of like unflavoured almonds. Right. In Spain. I, I thought it was kind of a, a slightly underwhelming chicken shop, but... Uh... Yes, it's like <laughs> very good. Oh, very poorly, very poorly seasoned. Yes, it's yes. got poorly, poorly sauce. Okay, let's yes, let's, let's blandos. That's it. Yeah, okay, let's see how where this goes. El suministrador de pneumáticos de la Formula One, Pirelli, ha publicado la elección de pneumáticos de los pilotos para el Gran Premio de Japón, siendo el preferido el compuesto blando con la marca Amaretto. Por delante wow. de los medios y los duros. Well, it, it seems clear to me then that the the blands mm-hmm. 
as the, as we are now going to call him, the Blandos, the Blands. Uh, in English, that would be yeah, just yeah. the Blands. Um, they are fighting to regain some interest and make themselves slightly more interesting mm-hmm. by drinking copious amounts of amaretto delivered to them mm-hmm. by a pneumatic pump. Yeah, yes and no. Oh, because I think the the key element about this was they're trying to actually uh, make the election more interesting. They're electing things. Ah. And as everyone's now got election fatigue and always votes for the worst possible option, mm-hmm. they're actually saying, do you want to have either a very poor chicken shop, yes. uh, unflavoured almonds, or amaretto? And that's what you had the three things to vote for. Right. And they're all going to be fired at, at the electorate in the referenda yes. by pneumatic means. That remains on, on to be base. seen. On the basis of the choices we've seen so far, it's almost certain they're going to go for the worst choice, which, of course, would be blandly flavoured chicken. Yes. Mm. Well, well, mm. it depends, actually. A large amount of amaretto after a skin full of uh, real ale is never a good thing. No, indeed. (laughs) Uh, Is there any more of this, Tim? Plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian Fettel ha elegido un solo judgeo de medios el cambio Felipe Massa, Esteban Gutiérrez, los pilotos de manos son los que... Uh, mass judges que compuesto medio han preferido con cuatro cada uno mientras que la selección de judges de duros han variado de los wow. dos a los cuatro. It's not a general election, is it? No. It's a judicial election. It is a judicial election. Now, That's interestingly, how they, they, they've thrown another thing into the back. Did you hear the word quattro? Yes. The short-lived, the short-lived green pineapple flavour soft drink from the late 80s? Yes. That's in there as well. Yes. Not with Amaretto. With Audi here. So, Amaretto with quattro mixed or separately? With either bland almonds or a poor quality chicken on the side and they've got but, but, a number of F1 drivers to form the judge and jury mm. about this. Still no sign where they're going to shot no, no, the no, 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 no. I'm sorry, your Spanish is just ridiculously poor. Oh, ridiculously poor. What they were saying was that the, the current crop of former on drivers are terribly bland. Ah. That's what it was. And that actually they would all be massively improved by putting them into a Formula 1 car with a cocktail a formed of amaretto and you're quite right, that fruity drink from the 1970s. I, that's that's I begin to think it's I think another one of those barking mad ideas that they come up with are they in drunk? the strategy committee. She's Formula One drunk. No, I, I, I you can't, clearly, you, you, you can't, uh, you, we can't have that because that would be right against the FIA's road safety idea. Don't drink idea. and drive, yeah. Don't drink and drive, Bernie says. Well, it proves the, proves the concept, doesn't it? Get a drink and drive and look what happens. Well, I think what they're going to do is, is spread it on the circuit. Is this not an extension that that um, survey came out last week about how you could cure kidney stones by going around roller coasters? I, well, is it, it a case that they're actually now trying, trying to do another experiment by trying to see what else they can cure by sticking people in Form 1 cars with various amounts of food inside them? Mm. Is there any more? Just maybe Paramount the last... 16 Caterpillotto, mm. Recipe 13 Judges, De Seco Caterpillars? Cada Gran Premio y Pirelli Decide Dos Judges para la Carrera Oh. Uno de los dos se debe utilizar. Obviously. Y un judge del compuesto más blando que solo se deberá usar en la qualifying three. Got it. It's going to be like the voice, got isn't it. it? They're going to have to do this blind. Mm. Graham? No, 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 no. You're wrong. We got it completely wrong about the cocktail. Now I understand. Right. Okay. What they've said is that the 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 current brand of Formula One cars are so tedious. <laughs> That what they're going to do is to introduce GT cars, the Quattro, the Carrera. Uh, it's, it's it's Formula One's going GT. SRO are going to love it. But where's the chicken fit in? 
Um, uh, that's, that's, that's the, the that's cowardly the, one at the back. No, that's the. <laughs> are they all going to be sponsored by Namadrum Arabam or the name? Oh, the, no, no, the what, KFC from India. What you've missed out in here because of the controversy over driver rankings. The new driver rankings are going to be almond, mm. fizzy drink from the from the eighties. From the eighties, oh, that obviously that would be like a masters and category. Sweet almond liqueur. Right, sweet almond liqueur. Uh, Right, that's for somebody who's weaving around a lot. <laughs> right, and uh, bland chicken and bland chicken, you say. So fizzy drink from the eighties. Well, that, that, just that's your masters that's category. That's the, old, the older drivers. Yes, yeah. it was fizzy in the eighties and a bit green, and now, and now not he's, so he's much. flat. He's gone flat. Well, it, it puts just completely different lilt on it, doesn't it? Oh, oh, very good, very good. I'm going to uh, I'm going to let Graham Goodwin go now. Thank tango. you, Graham. Cheers, guys. Have Cheers, mate. Good, Graham Goodwin contributing uh, tonight from uh, the DSC headquarters in Surrey. Uh, do we have time for a bit of motorcycling? Uh, briefly, because there Which was one? some World Superbikes at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they weren't in Spain. No, they're in France. They're not like MotoGP. They were Mangy Coors, weren't they? Mangy Coors. They're Mangy Coors. The whole of Mangy Coors turned up. There was three people there. Uh, Such a shame. And twas, a twas won, mm-hmm. doubly. Mm-hmm. So do you know the result? Uh, go on, see it. No, because I'm saying cause it was a double win, so who do you think won? Johnny Ray. No, who do you think won? Uh, Tom Sykes, his teammate? Tom, no. no. No, it was Chaz Davies in the Ducati. Chaz Davies won both of them won on the Ducati. Uh, one, because he made an inspired tyre choice. Uh, and Well, inspired slash lucky, you know, who can tell in motorcycling. Uh, and the second one, because uh, he got away and um, Johnny Ray and Tom Sykes were having a row. Um, not visibly. Um, but uh, so all that did is it means he's a bit close to becoming second. Um, because uh, Johnny Ray is, is massively ahead by about 50-something points with only a couple of rounds to go, and then it's Tom Sykes and he who will be having a little bit, a little bit of a, uh, a battle. Um, but it's um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it was a good race, and I, and I do agree with you. I've always liked Mangy Court as a track. It's just in completely the wrong place. And I don't mean France. It's fine to have a track in France. It's a lovely track in France. It's just the it's wrong, just part, the of wrong part of France. Yeah, France won Mitterrand. Was it, who was it? Was it Mitterrand's pet project or somebody else's? It was a, it was a pet project of the, of the Prime Minister or the President of France at the time, who was trying to get some some stuff for where he came. Oh, really? From. Mm. Is that the uh, is that the truth of it? Is it? Yeah. Uh... Uh, Tim, I can't resend you that because I haven't got it anymore. Right, I, I don't know where it, where it, where it. Uh, we had, we had, we, we were going to talk rallying and the Connor Kilty uh, Black Pudding Championship. Yes. Because it is our favourite championship. With Fiesta, with Fiesta Kick Energy there as well. <laughs> See, that's another cocktail that you wouldn't necessarily. Quattro and Kick Energy. Whoa. Uh, I used to drink quite a lot of Quattro. I'm very worried about that colouring's done to my insides. Not good. Any more bikes, Tim? Uh, you can do some British bikes if you want. Uh, British bikes. Leon has them on both rounds. Uh, which part of Britain were they in? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that, and uh, it's not. Where was it? It wasn't. Um, oh, flip. Uh, <laughs> it was Brands Hatch's next, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Give so you a it clue. It begins with a vowel. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't Britain at all, was it? That's that was a trick question. It was their, it was their annual trip to, to to the to Netherlands and Arsen. Arsen, yeah. Arsen. I know that because I, I actually did see that on um, when I was channel hopping on Eurosport, and I sat there going, "That's British Superbikes. What on earth track are they at?" And I was kind of going, 
that's not the one not with Alton, no spectators. That's not, that's not Staten. That's, that's not that. And I, kind of, and I was literally, I, I wrenched the back of my mind that they go to Aston because I couldn't work out what blooming track it was. Right, congratulations to Keith Cronin and Mike Galvin and their uh, Citroen DS3R5, who are the uh, Clonakilty Black Pudding Irish Tarmac Champions for 2016, uh, following their fourth place overall in the A Signs course. Cork 20 International Rally. Great reading. They, <laughs> I haven't done it for a while. Uh, despite leading overnight, they soon dropped back to second behind a hard-charging Josh Moffat and everything was still very much in control. However, a puncture on stage 12 dropped them to fourth. It was a tense last couple of stages as Johnny Greer closed in at just a few seconds where any subsequent drop in place would have damaged their title chances. Eventually, fourth was enough to secure their first championship uh, tarmac title. Have you read that out because you're expected to get a delivery of clock and ulti black pudding? Or even Connor Kilty. Yeah, I couldn't read that from there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I saw it and knew that Tim would want to... I was aware when, when that came in, but I knew... Um, you're a fan Tim, of black pudding. I am a big fan. I find it a bit claggy often. Well, that's you? why you need to try Connor Kilty, because well, it isn't. Well, in which case, I would love to try some Connor Kilty black pudding. <laughs> How many times can we say if we get some? I don't think it'll be delivered during the show. No, oh. no. It's often, it's often a lack of cakes as well on that front as well. I'm just waiting for our first uh, test match special co- chocolate cake. Uh, last ten minutes. Cake. Yeah, uh, cake is good. Last well, ten you minutes. We have a little bit more rallying. Uh, apparently, there was a round of the World Rally Championship at no, there wasn't. the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Well, I kind of glanced towards it. Did uh, it? Did Volkswagen win? It was Corsica. <laughs> um, and all I know is that Johnny Palmer watched a little bit of it and said, "That's a really good stage." Tour de course, was it? Yes. I can tell you about uh, WRC 2017, as there have been some announcements on that front. Go on, then. But it was uh, Sebastian Augier and uh, Gilles Ingrassia. Do it properly. Sebastian Augier, sorry. Thierry Neuville uh, was second for Hyundai. Volkswagen were third and fourth with Andreas Mikkelsen and Yari Matti Latvala. And and Chris Payne was... um, in fifth position uh, in the Abu Dhabi Total WRT car. So there you go. Uh, so Andreas Mikkelsen, Yari Matilatvala and Sebastian Ogier had already oh, yeah, confirmed at Volkswagen for 2017. Uh, mm. But on Sunday came the news of Citroen's driver lineup. We already knew about Chris Meek. Uh, he will mm-hmm. be joined by Craig Breen. Craig Breen, I said Chris Breen, sorry. Craig Breen, And Stefan Lefebvre. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Hyundai, they had already confirmed Hayden Padden and Danny Sordo. And uh, yesterday, no, Monday, they confirmed that Thierry Neuville uh, would be their third driver once again in 2017. And Tim, a news of retirement this week. If a tree falls in an empty wood. What? Well, he was so good, he was banned from a championship. He's a jet ski world record holder. He's just retired from the champions, or announced his retirement from the championship that he's racing in. But his team will continue. Who is he? If this was Jeopardy. This is a question to you, Nick. This is a question to you. Right. Oh right, okay. That's going to be me not really listening. It's not going to help. But so he was so good. Play the no, no, no. Don't. We haven't got time for that. Right. He was so good. He was banned from the championship because right. he won it so many times. Right. 
Uh, he is a jet ski champion and record holder. Is it who is Ivan Muller? It is who is Ivan Muller. Banned from the ice races, didn't he? He did. He won the he won the <laughs> Andros Trophy. I, I was still, I was confused by saying about British Superbikes. I was got got distracted. I thought you were talking to Tim. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, right. Okay. That's good. So yes, Ivan Muller was uh, retired from a championship that. Uh, um, Nobody watches, and where the next <laughs> race is still seven weeks away. I know it's been a bizarre WTCC calendar this year that had a huge what, long with break. Those those three gaps of five weeks or more in the middle. Yes, of it. it's almost like it's been three separate seasons, hasn't it? Yes. Can I ask him my British Superbikes question? Go Which on. Is, why did they go to Brands Hatch three times? Because it's a great. And nowhere else, and nowhere else more than once. They go to Alton Park twice. Do they? Hang on. Brands Hatch is a good circuit, and you always get a crowd there. I can't. Oh yes, and you're there right. Different yes. configurations of it. Well, it's two, they got they go twice to the Grand Prix circuit. Mm-hmm. I take it. Uh, no, I, I think they go twice to the India once. The India and once the Grand Prix. No, Pre. the pictures on their on their really? calendar show so two Grand Prix and one Indy. But they're only mm. allowed to use a Grand Prix circuit on four Sundays a year. So how do they get away with that? Well, because when else do they use it? Well, British Touring Cars has one. British GT has one. Yeah, you're right. And they get people in through, through the door for those. Um, a lot of interesting tweets. We've got a couple of things. I, I want to do a couple of tweets uh, before uh, Tim throws anything in at the end here. A <laughs> couple of interesting <laughs> tweets. A lot of chat about manufacturer teams, factory teams in GT Daytona in IMSA and whether there's a possibility for a GTD Pro and AM class uh, in future uh, yes. Also a note on Code 60, and this is from Alistair Darrant, who is a marshal. He says, I always feel much safer under Code 60 than safety car. And goes on to explain, there always seems to be loose cars trying to get back on to the back of the crocodile at near racing speed under safety cars. That is a very good point, actually, which I'd never thought about. Alistair, thank you for tweeting uh, that. Uh, with uh, coming in at spec your team the <laughs> if Creventic behaved like a non-Creventic organisation um, there'll be a solicitor's, solicitor's letter on the way for using <laughs> Code 60 I don't think that's uh, how, they, how that works uh, actually um, it does with the, some racing organisation promotion yeah, type yeah. people um I've just lost the little bit. Uh, yes, um, uh, it is noted by a number of people, having read the MSA code, that pr- that it's uh, that code 60 is uh, only to be used where all marshals' posts are in radio contact. Uh, oh, sorry, in communication, in communication. with so risk control. Just wave a purple flag so and everyone knows what's going on. Mm. That's the majority of uh, the bigger circuits in the UK. Mm. I would think that would work. I do think it is. Certainly, all the ones that British GT goes to. Um, okay, uh, back to you, Tim. For anything else, any matters arising, and then we can talk about the weekend. Okay, let's do this. He says. The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. Rolling out all the classics well, tonight. Well, Bango's earwax out of my ears. We uh, haven't had one of these for a while. We haven't. Uh, but this is a press release which, 
takes the usual tenuous story that you'd expect from a pointless press release of the week, yep. combines it with questionable translation, hey. and adds some unfortunate typography. Excellent. Just what we want. It's the Alpine Duel Cart Trophy. Oh. Saalbach Hinterglem will once yes. again turned into the Monte Carlo of the Alps from October 7 to 9, 2016, when some 500 kart sport enthusiasts descend upon the Austrian village to take part in the Alpine Duel Kart Trophy. See, I just now see them dropping out of the skies gently on parachutes. Yeah, but more importantly... How does it change in Monte Carlo? Uh, how do the boats berth up in the Alps? There's a very... Have you not heard of global warming? <laughs> Once all that snow melts... Oh, right, they're the yachts. Because trolling up the Alps. Straight up the valleys, Obviously. Man. Yes. <laughs> They'll be battling out for first place in the mini format of the F1 on the 600-metre-long track, right in the heart of the town. I thought they were racing carts, not minis. Mini F1s. Mini F1s, yeah. Mm. Their promise is to be lots of smoking. Racing, thanks to the intensive cocktail mixture of emotion, action, fun, and sex. What? No appeal. (laughs) Appeal. All right. We're we're back. We're back to the chickens, the almonds, and the amaretto here, aren't we? That's a great. This is. I still want to know how I park my yacht in the Alps. That's my key point on this entire thing. To name but a few sports celebrities. Right, yep. in but a few then. Gone then. <laughs> Manuel Reuter. No! 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1989. My oh. first year. Gone. Martin Raginger. Uh, keep going. <laughs> runner-up of the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia in 2013. And a big life for specialist. Felix Baumgartner. Oh, well, good name. Extreme athlete. Yes. So he, he'll, 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 he'll will arrive by parachute. Yes, he'll drop in. Just from 113 miles above. Yes. Raphael Sperra, six-time national rally champion of Austria. I'm well. pleased you told us that. <laughs> oh, Raphael. They're going downhill very quickly, which is fine for the Alps. Reinfeld Herbst and Georg <laughs> Streitbergers. Hang on, are they, hang on, is this a driver the, or not a driver? Aust- Austrian, or no Austrian personalities. Uh, are they are they stars of uh, Vienna Enders, which is like East Enders but set in a well in Austrian I town? I think they they come from the Austrian version of the Voice. They're waltz champions. Yes, they're skiers. Uh, are they skiers? Well, they will be going downhill. downhill it's all downhill for them, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Thomas Pruning. Pruning. Is he pruning for the fields? Is that pruning with a U with an umlaut? The, Don't uh, start swearing at me. It's prining. Oh, okay, carry on. Who, what um, does he do? He's Austrian. He's a Formula 4 uh, driver who did win at the ne- uh, Nürburgring and Red Bull Ring this season. Mm. And okay. Gerhard Theresa, uh, the Austrian uh, ADAC Formal Masters driver. ADSA. Now, as if to demonstrate that motorsport is no longer only a sport for men... There have also been numerous registrations from women. Is that what it actually says? As if to demonstrate? As if to demonstrate, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, including Patricia Kaiser. Right. Romana Siddlmeyer. Mm-hmm. Kim Glush. Mm-hmm. Denise Cotter. Mm-hmm. Amina Dagi. Stephanie Steinmeier. Mm-hmm. And Nicole Rigger. And when does all this happen, Tim? Does it say what any of these well, ladies do? I did do? say at the start. That it's, it the the ni- it's the 7th, 7th to 9th, to the 9th of October. It's ingrained. The 7th to 9th of October. I'm, get, I'm literally leaving Ipswich with your yacht that should be in Abu Dhabi and sailing it to the Alps right now. Right. Using that well-known Suez Canal in the middle of Belgium. Okay. 
Excellent stuff. You could use the Danube. Yes. Ah, more waltzing. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, no time tonight to discuss the ramifications of uh, Juan Pablo Montoya being uh, replaced by Joseph Newgarden. It has dramatically reduced their catering bill. Well, uh, Joseph's been here in Eton, <laughs> and uh, he can put he can put it away. He's How a, many Griffiths a... rolls? Ah, <laughs> no one can be that. Uh, there's only one Griffiths roll expert here. There is absolutely, and he's sitting off to my right at the moment. Uh, so there. Uh, and that's it, I think. It is. This weekend we have Super GT, and we have a guest commentator on Super GT, I'm led to believe. Really? Who's that? Isn't that you? Oh, yes, that's right. Is well, no, I used it? to do it, you know. Is it you and Sam? Have, Sam and have, I used to do you, it. Have you chosen uh, the one race that is on at a reasonable time of day to uh, make your return to the form- Super GT commentary box? Mm. That's uh. a yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes. It's at 8 o'clock in the morning, isn't it's it? It's at 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, is it? Even yes. better. Why is it so late in Japan? Because it's not in Japan, because there's a Formula it 1 race on, so they're going to Thailand. They're in Thailand. It's a huge weekend, of course, for our Australian uh, listeners, because it's the big, it's the great race. It's the Bathurst 1000. Creelsey, good luck to you for that this weekend. Uh, and all of our friends who will be down there so you will be able to I think you should be able to get right through the Bathurst race before the Super GT starts I think you probably will yeah that's what I'm going to do I'm no, sit I've, got, I've got a completely different strategy for, for viewing over the weekend well that's because you've got World Championship RC haven't I you I am so yeah. I'll be watching should be watching uh, right turn lover says surely that's the Monaco of the Alps uh, Salbach Hintiglam which I've just he's just tweeted here Phenomenal um, snow race, snowmobile race uh, there. Uh, Did you follow as well. him then, or? And Jesse says no. <laughs> uh, yeah, must have, must have, wasn't there? No, no, no. He's put aspect to him. Uh, and Jesse oh, right. says it's nat- national hydrogen. I'll leave you on this, uh, on this bombshell. Well, hopefully not. It's national. Nat- oh, let's do Start this again. again. <laughs> it's national hydrogen and fuel cell day in the USA on October the eighth. Any news? Should go with the bang. Okay. Hey. Uh, any news on the green T uh, GT uh, race car? Uh, answer to that, there is none, but we'll get Graham to talk to you about that because he has got some news on that. And it's FIA Formula E at the weekend, and Martin Haven is on... Not the, the Martin Haven. At the Martin Haven. Who, who's, who's commentating with Martin? Uh, that would be Dario. You Dario. won't be hearing from him. You won't be hearing from him. So uh, you, uh, Dario gets a weekend off uh, this weekend. <laughs> Um, and Alan, <laughs> Alan McNish is there as well this weekend. Is he a steward? Uh, I think he must be. No, I think he's around the Audi team. And uh, time to go that. now because our uh, Floridian listeners will be waiting for the 5pm National Hurricane up, Update. A Hurricane Centre update on Matthew. Uh, be safe, everybody. Thanks for listening. More from Midweek Motorsport next week. Thanks to all our con- contributors, Nick. To, uh, Nick, uh, Nick, and <laughs> Nick. <right> here. <laughs> Nick, Graham, and Marshall. Uh, Tim, I was going to put you in as a contributor, but you're not. You're our executive producer, Tim. That's what I threw don't me out. Don't contribute anything to this show. Oh yes, you do. <laughs> don't, don't run yourself down. You're the driving force behind it, man. Uh, the responsible <laughs> adult was Eve Hewitt, and the lamb shanks were fantastic. Oh yes. Tonight, Ooh. and Hindoff Senior was uh, uh, just exerting a gentle but calming influence. Uh, from downstairs. I uh, will speak to you soon on Midweek Motorsport. There's no time to explain because the llama is off to Moorie Yacht in the Alps. 
This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.